All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Welcome to the Daily Faceoff show. Your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Live every weekday at noon Eastern. What's up everybody? It's a Monday, January 24th edition of the Daily Faceoff show. We're streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, as well as of course at dailyfaceoff.com. He is Ryan S. Clark from The Athletic. Ryan, how you doing? How was your weekend? Uh, it was good, buddy. How was yours? Uh, better now. I'm, I'm starting to hopefully feel a little bit better after taking most of the last week off dealing with COVID-19. Uh, you know, I, I felt good and then kind of a little bit of a hiccup last night, not feeling so good again. I don't know. I'm hoping that I'm turning the corner. I'm sure everyone that's had it is sort of nodding their head like, yep, that's kind of how it goes. But it's been a little bit of a grind. No, no, I, I can imagine. But the good thing is you're here and it sounds like you're doing better. And that's really the most important thing. Yep. So let's throw two minutes and 30 seconds up on the clock. It was a busy week in the hockey world. And let's start with a disappointing story that we need to talk about because it continues to happen. And that is the incident that occurred in the ECHL over the weekend. Uh, the Jacksonville Icemen and the South Carolina Stingrays, Jacob Panetta, defenseman from Jacksonville, uh, making a racist gesture towards uh, South Carolina Stingrays defenseman Jordan Subban, uh, the Iceman then subsequently released Panetta from his contract on Sunday. Uh, this is a story that continues to evolve and continued to evolve on Sunday with Panetta posting his own statement in the form of a video uh, on his Twitter feed. We've shared it. We've written the story on dailyfaceoff.com. And more importantly, Ryan, you wrote a column in The Athletic, and it just really hits home. I'll, I'll just read every one of your tweet. This shit is getting old and it's been that way for some time. So please stop being shocked by the fact racism continues to exist in hockey. Ryan, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? 
and, and what what's your takeaway from this weekend and everything that that occurred? There's so many to wear. I know we've talked about dedicating two segments, and even then, that's not enough because that's how widespread this conversation really runs. But as it relates to what we've seen this weekend, whether it be in the ECHL or the AHL suspension for 30 games after what happened with Boko Mama, like it comes back to this. It still keeps happening, and we acknowledge that it keeps happening. But as to what can be done about it going forward, it seems like those are the sets of questions that there's different answers, but no one's really agreed upon one. And so when you just look at what happened with the, the Stingrays Iceman game, like the incident itself happens. But then when you look at how it's handled right after the fact, and, and this point got made in the column and by many people, you look at the Iceman's apology, apologizing to anyone who was offended. Like that statement right there is what makes people so frustrated with this conversation. It wasn't about anyone who was offended. It was about Jordan Subban, because this is the thing about racism, that unless you've really experienced it, you don't think about it this way. But really, you can apply it to almost any trauma, because that's what racism is at the end of the day. It is trauma. Jordan Subban went through a really public incident. And when you've gone through racism, most cases, it is private or there's not a lot of people. The entire world got to see what happened. The entire world got to see his reaction. And yet now we have people who've never been in his shoes trying to say, well, it was this, it was that. You have people who are in his shoes saying, no, I understand it. You don't understand it. And like, it's one of those things where no matter what, it's a complicated conversation because at the end of the day, it's trauma. And the problem is people don't look at it like trauma because some people don't think it's actually a problem. Well, I mean, let's face it, it is a problem, no matter how much people keep saying, oh, the, you know, there's no racism in hockey or we're getting better or things are moving in the right direction. Look at the conversations we're having. I think kind of what hits me and you and I have had this conversation offline. What hits me is this is what's playing out in public in minor professional leagues with cameras there with thousands of people in the building. What's happening in in rinks, you know, around the world with kids uh, with others that no one ever sees, no one ever hears about, nothing ever gets acted upon. That you know, this is this is happening on a daily basis. That's not ending, not changing. How do we how do we stop that? It's honestly acknowledging that there's a problem in the first place. And for some people who don't feel it's a problem or don't feel it exists, how do you get them into that space? And that's been a question that's been going on well beyond hockey for a lot longer than all of us have been on this planet. And frankly, it's probably going to go on when we're all off this planet. And in terms of just like what this sport does, I mean, I said this in the column yesterday, but maybe one of the preventative measures you take is if you're teams and if you're an organization, you get to know the different communities that are in your backyard. You educate your players. You get them to understand these are the people who may or may not come to our games, but think before you speak. And when you look at just the last two years and the conversations that have been had or allegedly had about things like understanding, learning, listening, microaggressions, whatever you want to say, like there are just certain things that people say, like, I've, I've learned, but it's like, okay. But if you have, it's about testing these things in an everyday environment. 
So if you're a team, regardless of level, maybe that's the starting point is those preventative measures to ensure that this stuff doesn't happen. Not so much in in a public perspective, like you said, but when it's private behind closed doors where no one sees it. Because again, no matter where it starts or finishes or manifests, the point is it exists. And if the whole point is to make things better, then why not try to stop it regardless of where it starts? Mm -hmm. Ryan, what do you make of Jacob Panetta's video that he posted, his side of the story, his reasoning? Um, you know, my thing, when you see this play out and you see just the a day before the AHL suspension for 30 games for a very similar gesture that was made, we didn't end up seeing the video publicly from that AHL game uh, that warranted the 30-game suspension for me. You know, it, it set social media ablaze again saying, you're judging Jacob Panetta, you're saying that it was a racist gesture before he even had a chance to answer. Where do you come out on that? And just to give my side of it before you answer is, you know, you've lost the benefit of the the doubt when you're making that kind of gesture to a person of color. If you want to make the uh, if you want to make the tough guy bodybuilder flex, it's got to be like this, and that's it moving forward. You know now, and, and the fact that it, these things happen back to back to me you lose the benefit of the doubt. I'll keep it quick by saying this. The person whose opinion on this matters most is Jordan Saban, because he is the one that this happened to. He is the victim here. So regardless of what we have to say on this show or anyone on social, it's not to say that those thoughts and feelings aren't valid because like this is how we get at the root of the, the problem. But to know what Jordan Saban thinks and feels, that's the important thing because like this happened to him. And as I was saying earlier, like, Some people may not want to look at racism as trauma, but like this is trauma that happened to him. And it's really about him and how he feels. Mm. Well said, Ryan. Uh, Appreciate your insight on, you know, what can be a difficult topic to talk about publicly. We're going to keep having that conversation here online, offline. uh, Appreciate that. Let's talk, Ryan, about, uh, you know, moving to the ice, something that will be celebrated tonight, and that is Keith Yandel of the Philadelphia Flyers hitting one of hockey's all-time celebrated records, 964 games he can match the NHL's reigning Ironman for the last 35 years in Doug Jarvis. I had a chance to catch up with Doug Jarvis yesterday. Uh, The story is posted on dailyfaceoff.com. It's an amazing, uh, just to see his humility to it. He's saying, I I can't believe that uh, it hasn't been broken in 35 years. All All the players that have played in this league that have come through have been mostly healthy, but you think about what went into this streak for Keith Yandel. It's not just the injuries, the personal affairs, everything else that goes into keeping yourself in the lineup for 13 consecutive years. It's also in the last couple of years, COVID-19, 75% of the league has had COVID-19. This season alone, Keith Yandel has somehow managed to avoid it, took the morning skate this morning, and it appears he will match the record and hopefully break it on Tuesday night when the Flyers host the New York Islanders. When you think about all the records in the NHL guide and record book, Ryan, where does this one stack up in terms of the all-time feats? So a bit of levity first. When we were doing our pre-call show, or yeah, pre-show call, Frank was like, here's a photo of Doug Jarvis next to someone in an Iron Man suit. And we were all like, yo, he got someone like, next to a dude dressed like Tony Stark. And then we're like, oh, an actual medieval Iron Man suit. Like, no, that's not Doug, yes. but still Iron Man would have been. Anyways, Frank, thanks, Frank, for killing Dream. But no, in terms of like where this ranks, for all the reasons you just mentioned, like 
there's a lot of, of course, interesting records that that are that are fascinating. But like with this one, it's so different for the reasons you just mentioned. But also this too, we keep hearing so many general managers and coaches and veteran players talk about the travel in today's league, the back-to-backs, especially when you just kind of look at how grueling it can be. And so like when you think about like Keith Yandel's journey and how much the league has changed in terms of travel and so on and so forth from the time he started to now, like, yeah, absolutely. You look at what he's achieved and it's up there. Of course, the funny point, which is something we were also talking about before we came on air is this, like we're talking about Keith Yandel and understandably so, but that 940 from Phil Kessel, like mm. that's something it seems like no one ever really talks about. So like see one player in this generation get that kind of number is interesting. But to see two, like it just really speaks a lot to not only the conditioning these guys use to really stay in shape, but also like how do you manage like everything that comes with an 82 game season? Yeah, I would say two things. One, I think what's really interesting about this record going forward is Will Phil Kessel ultimately outlast Keith Yandel? It's ultimately going to be about how long these guys' careers continue. Keith Yandel has struggled at times this season. I wonder if he would have been a healthy scratch had this streak uh, not been on the line. And Phil Kessel, I could just kind of see motoring along for a while. Will he ultimately be the guy at the end of the day that's holding the title? And the other part is you mentioned the travel and the wear and the tear. That, to me, is what makes Doug Jarvis's streak all that more incredible. One, he started at the very beginning of his career, first game in until his last game out, total all streak, uh, which is something to be said. But also, these guys flew commercial, not on charter flights, and they didn't have anywhere near the same access to medical care, to training, to all these different things that NHL players today, nutrition, like to do all of it then – it, it makes Doug Jarvis's streak all that much more impressive. And by the way, I think Glenn Hall has something to be said here. The Mr. Goalie, 503 straight games in net without a helmet, 1955 to 1963. That is the NHL's real Ironman streak, in my opinion. Nonetheless, congratulations to Keith Yandel, who will match that tonight. Ryan, let's talk about the Pacific Division. You know, we went into the year, everyone was hammering it, saying this division is by far the worst in the NHL. We've gotten to almost the halfway point in the season. The Pacific Division has a mushy middle. There's a lot going on here. You look, let's throw this stat at you. Of all the teams in the Pacific Division, only one of them has a record above 500 or a points percentage above 500 in their last 10 games. It seems like instead of a battle to the finish, it's more like a, you know, a a limp. Uh, Who ultimately gets there and and has this division been sort of exactly what we thought it might be? It's been what we thought it could be, but in a little bit of a bizarre way. Because there was the expectation, okay, the Vegas Golden Knights were going to win that division because of the way they're built. And right now it looks like that's going to be, that's going to continue to be the trend, especially when Jack Eichel gets healthy, what's this team really going to look like? But when you look at two through seven, like that's where it's just so fascinating because like you look at the Kings, the Ducks and the Sharks, especially no one really kind of knew what to expect because with the Kings and the Ducks, the thought is, okay, they're further along in their rebuild, but no one knew exactly where they are. And now they're two teams in playoff contention. But again, when you just sort of look at like how everything else is going and it's that question you asked of like, okay, who looks like they're in the strongest position? When you look at the numbers, you would believe it would be the Calgary Flames just because, like, they played the fewest games in the division. 
And it seems like they have a chance to really make up some ground. And not only that, but maybe get ahead of a few people as it stands. But that said, the Oilers are interesting for so many reasons. But again, it's because of the games played. Because like, yes, for all their struggles, they still have enough games played, enough time in the season to where what's stopping you from being in a playoff position? Yeah, I would say the counterpoint to that is given how crazy the schedule is going to be, maybe this is the one year where games in hand don't really mean as much because that's that much more rest that your opponents that have already played those games are going to have. No, absolutely. Just because, I mean, like when you think about like how February especially is going to shape up for like certain teams, it's going to be go, go, go. And it's interesting because we were just talking in the last segment about how like, hey, with the way players are managing, whether it be back-to-backs, being on the road, nutrition, health, whatever it is, like it's such a key and crucial thing. And like to your point, like that is what's going to make this upcoming month just so fascinating because it's like, how do you manage that? How do you win games? How do you keep players off of COVID lists? How do you keep them healthy? But more importantly, how do you find cohesion in a season where that's been the difficult thing for a lot of teams? Yeah, keep an eye on the Calgary Flames with their schedule. They've played so many road games to start the year. They're going to have a slew at home in the second half. The Los Angeles Kings, the answer to your trivia question, as the one team in the Pacific that has been above 500 in points percentage over the last 10. Let's whip back to the Metropolitan Division with another edition of the All-32. That's right. It's another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. Please, please to welcome in Samantha Pell from the Washington Post. She covers the Washington Capitals, does a fantastic job there. And Samantha, I'm fascinated by the Caps and their season. They got off to such a strong start this year. Tell us where they're at now. I'm looking at their records since basically Thanksgiving, and it's 9, 6, and 5. So they've sort of had a collection of points here, some not-so-pretty efforts, but then again, uh, a lot of wins in games that you probably should be winning. So give us an idea of where the Caps stand at this point. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think just even in the month of January, the Capitals have kind of been in a little bit of a rut. Just when you look in terms of the talent and the guys that they have with Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom and, you know, John Carlson, they've just been missing a lot of guys in the lineup. And I feel like that's been the whole entire story for this entire season. All these guys have been out except for Alex Ovechkin. He's the only Capital this season who has not missed a game this year. So for the Capitals, they've really just been up and down. They've been trying to collect points here and there. But honestly, they've been a little flailing a little bit. I would say the overtime winner a couple nights ago from Nicholas Backstrom was probably the highest point they've had in January. And they're just going to try to build off that from this point forward. So if I can chime in, which of course, it's always good to see you. You're the pride of Woodenville, but in all seriousness, <laughs> when you look at where this team is, like what's the thought about what they could do heading into the deadline? Yeah, the first two things. Well, the first one's definitely a goalie. Uh, I think, as everyone kind of knows, the Capitals are definitely in on Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, I mean, every team probably should be at this point, but the Capitals definitely need a goalie situation. I know when I've talked to other people, they've said, oh, it looks kind of like the Capitals goalie tandem is working, right? You have some two pretty solid records from both guys, but when you kind of look deeper and into the numbers, they've given up a lot of goals and a lot of starts. Um, Really, for the Capitals, they've had no consistency from that standpoint. 
point. Vitek Vanacek will start his fourth straight game tonight. That's really the first time we've seen any type of consistency um, from these Capitals goaltenders this season. But I would say moving forward, trade deadline, it'd definitely be a goaltender. Um, I know, obviously, all the rumors about Evander Kane and into this group, and that could be maybe another thing that the Capitals do from this point forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you touched on the goaltending because that was my question in terms of if the C, if the playoffs were to start today, and, and I know the Caps are a pretty short playoff team, they've they've sunk to fourth in the Metro in terms of points percentage, but it's going to be hard for any of these other teams in the East to catch them even if they continue on at the sort of pace that they've been on. But when you look at their goaltending and you mentioned Vanacek, a fourth straight start, who would be the Caps' game one starter in the playoffs in your mind, given you know where things stand and, and where Peter Laviolette you know, usually goes with his goaltenders? It seems like he's someone that over the course of his career is really into playing the hot hand. Yeah, I would say definitely if the playoffs started tomorrow, it would be Vitek Vanacek. I think if we're talking about trying to predict who the Capitals' starting goaltender will be when the playoffs actually come, I think there's a 50% chance he is not on this team right now. Uh, so I think the Capitals really just have a pretty interesting goalie situation, and it's just going to have to work its way out. I think the Capitals made it very clear early on this season that they weren't going to be naming a starter. It was kind of going to be, let's see who can get the hot hand in net. We're going to ride him out once that kind of – dries up we're going to try someone else so it's really been up in the air and that's been the main storyline all season so you mentioned a 50 percent chance that Vanacek's not on the team come playoff time <laughs> give us some insight in terms of you know what you think that means and did did the expansion draft and sort of how that entire thing played out does that sort of give you an indication in terms of what the caps think of his future with the team yeah, I think it's more just 50%. Like we could just see a whole new goaltender uh, in net for the Capitals come playoff time. But I mean, Vanacek has been pretty, I guess, steady in these last four. I think, you know, the Capitals exposing Vanacek in the expansion draft, that's because they have so much faith in Ilya Samsonov, kind of his pedigree. He's a first rounder. They really expect a lot from him. So really headed into the season, it seemed like Samsonov had the edge. And Vanacek actually won that starting job for the first couple of games, even though the Caps gave him up in the expansion draft and he comes back. So honestly, it's just been really up in the air for Washington in net. And they've just been trying anything they can, trying all these different combinations in front of them to figure out the defense. But it's it's really just a situation in Washington. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on all that. The Washington Capitals ranked 17th in the league in save percentage this season. Certainly something that they'll want to shore up before playoff time. Thank you so much for your insight. Samantha Pell from the Washington Post. You can follow her on Twitter at Samantha J. Pell. This has been another edition of the All 32 delivered by DoorDash. All right, Ryan, it's time for our daily face-off inbox question of the day. Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag AskDFO. I'm so tempted after Tyler's Bills lost on Sunday night to ask you which sport has the best playoff overtime setup. But instead, Tyler came up with something a little different, and that is who is the most surprising 20-goal scorer in the NHL this season? You could argue it's a toss-up between Chris Kreider and Troy Terry for these reasons. With Chris Kreider, he's already surpassed his career high in goals. 
and that was 28 back in 2016-17, and he's already has 29 through 42 this year. It's his seventh 20th goal season, whereas with Troy Terry, he already has 22 goals this season, and last year he had 20 points in 48 games. In fact, coming into this season, he had 15 career goals. So that's just it. It's like when you look at those two, like they're different for different reasons because Chris Kreider, you expect to be a 20-goal scorer. Maybe not like nearly a 30-goal scorer at this point in January, whereas if Troy Terry – like the, the ability was always there. There's a reason why the Ducks have just had him so highly regarded, but to see it manifest quite like this, like it was always kind of like not when, not if, but when, and now we're seeing it with him. Yeah. Troy Terry has certainly been a revelation Kreider. I mean, I don't know that anyone quite saw this coming tied with Alex Ovechkin for the league lead. I'm going to go with Timo Meyer. Is he obviously a talented goal scorer? His career high is 30 though. He's on pace to obliterate that. So much like Chris Kreider, similar discussion. And I don't know that at any point we would have predicted that two San Jose Sharks uh, guys would be north of 20, both on pace for uh, with Tomas Hurdle 40. So uh, certainly an interesting start to the year in San Jose, and especially with all that's played out there off the ice as well. Tomas Hurdle going to be a big name at the NHL's trade deadline, which is approaching less than two months away now on March 21st. Speaking of Tyler and the Buffalo Bills, I, I hope it's not too painful of a subject. We'll bring in Tyler now for our Daily face-off, daily bet segment. Tyler, did you sleep at all last night after that loss? I'm not even kidding. I woke up at 3 a.m., remembered what actually happened, and I didn't fall back asleep for about an hour and a half. Like, that was probably the most gutted I've ever been after watching a sporting event. I'm really sad about it, and I'm really irritated you brought it up, Frank. Thanks for doing that. Yeah, hey, I do what I can. <laughs> All right, uh, let's turn the page as I look to turn the page in my own life and focus ahead to the NHL slate tonight where it's a busy, busy night as well. There'll be a lot of busy nights from here till the end of the season, which means lots of games to bet on. As you can see on the right side, that line is shifting as we talk between the Blackhawks and the Avalanche. I'm going with the Avs in this one. It's my first play of the day, and I'm taking them on the puck line at minus 131. They're outscoring their opponents by an average of 1.75 goals per game. So far in January, they're on an 11-0-1 run this month as well. And they're taking on a Hawks team that has just four wins in the month of January as well. This month, Colorado, ninth best power play, Chicago, 23rd. In penalty kill percentage, there's plenty of reasons why I think the Avs will easily handle the Blackhawks in this one. So that's my first play. My second one, going for my player prop, it's Mika Zibanejad. He's been feeding Chris Kreider a lot. He's been picking up a lot of apples. In fact, he has six in his last three games. He's hit this mark in four of his last five. And tonight, the Rangers are going up against a Kings team that has allowed 19 goals against in their last five games. So I like Zibanejad to pick up an apple. I actually can't believe we're getting this one at plus money. So abs on the puck line, Zabinijad to get an assist. And those are my two bets for tonight, Frank. Interesting. A lot happening there. Thank you for that, Tyler. And Ryan, that brings us to garbage time. Usually I cede the floor to you, but wanted to pay tribute and, and actually end the show on a little bit of a somber note. And that is uh, with the passing of Hockey Hall of Famer Clark Gillies on Friday after a brief battle with cancer. Just so heartbreaking. You see his daughter, uh, Brianna Bourne, who's married to uh, Justin Bourne in our media, hockey media community. Uh, 
you know, just heartbreaking to see her tweet thread, uh, lots of photos posted. And uh, Clark Gillies, the lifeblood of the New York Islanders and their dynasty years, the captain there, uh, the bedrock of the team, a hockey hall of famer. And, you know, you just talk around in hockey circles about different people that have been characters along the way that have lit up rooms. And uh, I, I challenge you, Ryan, you can't find anyone to say a bad word about Clark Gillies, the Islanders paying tribute to him and his number nine uh, before they played the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday night. And just uh, heartbreaking news, gone way too soon at the age of 67. So we keep the Gillies and Bourne families in our thoughts and prayers and everyone that's a member of the New York Islander family as well. Certainly some tough news over the weekend. Absolutely. And just when you go through that thread, which you haven't had a chance to do it, just be prepared. I mean, you see all the things that he meant, but the, the part that really just stood out was the dedication he had towards taking care of his family and being there and just being this grandfather who was able to see that, which to see the life that he lived. Yes, we talk about the on ice because this is what we do. But when you think about the off ice and how sometimes that can be the hardest part, whether it's a hockey player for anyone who wants to have a family, to see he was able to do that, like that might be the truest measure of his legacy on this planet. Yeah, and a pillar in the community as well, Ryan. Three and a half million dollars, more than that, raised for children with disabilities and all sorts of charities in the Long Island area. So uh, we send our thoughts and condolences to the New York Islander family on Clark Gillies passing. That is all the time that we have for today's show. It was jam-packed, lots to get to. We appreciate your time, Ryan, and we'll talk to you next week. This has been another edition of the Daily Faceoff Show. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from around the NHL. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for watching the Daily Face-Off Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.